You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the X-Man Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Coyle. Back home, all right? I haven't done an episode from home in over two months. You know, it's been, uh, I don't even know what you described the, the podcast this year. It's been very herky-jerky, and uh, I would apologize, but I have nothing to be sorry for, guys. This has been the busiest year for me on the road since 2018, which was the year Bad Wolves got its break. It did about nine months straight on that. That year was about a week in between tours. And this I did essentially from April all the way through, well, just now, I guess, uh, you know, a week ago or so, uh, with a little, you know, seven week gap in the middle of that. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was wild. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a different kind of tired. I think that comes from touring. Um, that I can't really describe because it takes you days. You know, you need you need to just be. You're down. Listen, I don't know. Like I'm, I imagine, you know, I have uh friends who who tour have children. And they they have to come home and it's like duties, right? They have to do daddy stuff, or mommy stuff, whatever. And they're and I'm like. They're built different. Maybe, maybe I'll have to develop that that extra mu- muscle from coming home from tour and just being exhausted. But yeah, it was interesting because the last date of the tour, by the way, the tour went great with um, Bad Wolves opening for Bush. We had uh, Ava under fire on the on the run, and Bush, man, they were just so incredible. Made made our lives super easy and just a great band, and that was an absolute pleasure. Ava under fire, awesome. Awesome people, sounded great every night, did a great job. And then we did a bunch of headline shows, which actually went really well. And it was a lot of fun. But um, our last sh- sh- technical show of the of the tour was in, um, in LA. And we played the whiskey. So I got to go home. But, you know, then the next day I had to play a benefit show. I did a Biohazard song with some of the guys from Biohazard. And then the next day... Bad Wolves played at the Affliction Space in in Seal Beach. So I was like home from tour, but I was basically still on tour because I had gigs. And so I was exhausted, but I had to do things. And then, and then I finally, when I was done, and then each of those nights, <laughs> especially the whiskey and at the uh, the Taco Metal party, you, you, your boy got hemmed up, you know, and I was, uh, you know, a little hungover trying to deal with that. And that definitely certainly takes takes a lot out of you. 
but yeah, so it's been a been a strange homecoming and trying to get some rest and figure things out, but still having a little bit of work to do like this. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to be home. And it's been interesting trying to reflect on the last year and go like, what the hell, what even happened this year, right? So the year started, God forbid, did the New Jersey and Massachusetts reunion shows. That was right at the top of the year. Then right after that, I went right into the studio to finish the new Bad Wolves record. And I was like working on guitar solos. And I was kind of having this like, I don't know, existential crisis, you know, going back to like February and March, I just wasn't, wasn't happy with my guitar playing. I wasn't, I feel like my guitar solos weren't inspired. And I was like, I'm going to quit music. I'm going to go, you know, be a guy who sells oranges or something. (laughs) And right into that, I get a call to do the Ice Nine Kills gig. And that was this insanity for a month, just getting ready for it and thinking I'm going to play lead guitar and having to switch to rhythm guitar. And then within that, I had to do Bad Wolf shows in April, then flew out to Europe, started that. And then I had another opportunity, which I can't even talk about, uh, I was learning material for. And so that run, you know, with Ice Nine Kills and Metallica and the tour of Falling in Reverse and all that, that was just five months, just a block with a few days off here and there. And then within that, I was like recording music videos for Bad Wolves on days off and constantly learning new Ice Nine Kill songs. I was transcribing Bad Wolf songs for our new guitar player. And then I was supposed to start the tour with Asking Alexandria and the Who with Bad Wolves in September. We canceled that tour. <laughs> and then I immediately went into promoting the new Bad Wolves record and doing just all this content creation and doing the podcast and spent that time and also getting prepared for the Bad Wolves tour with Bush, getting the album out. And then also, God forbid, was doing the Headbangers Boat uh, in October. So I was preparing for two tours simultaneously, like with headline sets and as well as promoting the the album and then right into went right into this tour with uh, Bush. So it's been... A hellish. Actually, I have to, I have to count all the shows I did because it was a lot. <laughs> um, and I, I don't still think I have a great, you know, kind of uh, conception of what what this year was. I know I made a lot of progress. Um, I feel like my my name has gained a certain amount of notoriety, and I feel like I've I've definitely planted the flag in certain ways. But in a weird way, I almost. Not that I don't, I wouldn't say I don't feel successful. I just feel like, you know, you make all this progress in one area and, you know, and then also Bad Wolves put the record out, which is a big accomplishment. Um, but it's like, you you go, man, it was like, can I keep working like this? I, I don't know. <laughs> because, I, you know, I'd say about halfway through this last tour, I just, you know, I talked about it here. I was just, I was burnt. I was done. I just couldn't. Didn't have really the the bandwidth to like do, you know, do social media like I was and be like, all right, I need to be connected to this and I need to work on this because it was just, we had just so much work out on tour and just trying to make the tour work and make it happen and, uh, and get everything kind of going with that, promoting the shows and we were adding songs and we were doing acoustic performances and it's just a lot, you know? And so I'm, I really need a moment to kind of just 
get some zen together and uh and just see what the, the next year is going to look like because right now the only thing i've booked is the metal legion show which connects to uh our guest today because we have all the metal Allegiance guys coming that's january 25th in anaheim and then i'm going to be jumping on guitar for issues um you know aj from issues is playing with bad wolves and he has a couple of songs that he wants me to play guitar for their farewell shows in la so i gotta learn a couple of those tunes so that's the only thing i really have locked in and then bad wolves just got a a tour offer for next year i think we're gonna do it and so hopefully that'll that'll get locked in and we'll announce that and i'm sure it's gonna be a busy year for bad wolves but uh you know, just a lot going on. So uh, I am grateful, you know, to have these opportunities. And, you know, especially like when you contrast it to how things were in 2020 and 2021, where there was no touring. And now it seems like everyone is, I feel like a lot of people are like me this year, where everyone just was like busy and grinding and had a million things going on. And, you know, you're grateful to have that stuff, you know, and, um, but it also whoops your ass and, you know, being away like this, man, it definitely had an impact. Also, I, you know, I got engaged this year and, you know, I think this touring really had a big impact on my relationship and, in, in a in a really tough way, uh, which is very easy to predict. You know, it's hard to stay connected when you're out there. Cause I think the, the biggest with touring man is it just makes you feel distant from everything you know especially the way i i approach it where i'm just really committed to that task um and want to just be great every day and deliver and you know it's like i'll listen to clips of the show and you know you hear oh did i hear hit a bad note or i was was i maybe slightly out of key on this or you know you just want things to be great and you want to play great um and it's something I, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that lifestyle, just getting out there and, and rocking out. But I think for next year, you know, and this may even lead to me taking a little hiatus from the podcast is I really want to write a lot more this year, uh, put a lot more into, you know, maybe get some guitar lessons and kind of working on that end of things and just improving in a lot of those areas and just really focusing on the creative. Because I think once you're in, you're just constant tour social media podcast it's like you sometimes I, I not that i don't feel like a musician but i don't feel as creative because i feel like everything is about what's right in front of me and to and i'm just feel like more like a taskmaster taskmaster than an artist um and i kind of want to rediscover that this year so that's one of my big big goals and also just getting a little bit healthier you know i had a, a run not this year, but last year I went sober for a while and I really, you know, it worked out well for me. <laughs> and this year that didn't really happen. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, I'd have moments of getting healthier and I kind of go up and down. But I think, you know, starting the new year, I want to like really commit to that. Because uh, I think it's the only way you can work this hard and still have energy and stuff. So, so I think 2023 was a great year. Um, I don't know about geopolitically. <laughs> It's a little frightening. Uh, we're going to 2024 is going to be an election year. And I think it's going to be really miserable for all of us. Um, I don't think there's anything good coming out of that. And you will see how I approach it because it's been, as I've said, I've been very disillusioned by what's going on and it's not fun. You know, a lot of people hate each other. I think like it's only getting worse. 
and I don't know if I have anything to help improve that. So we'll see how it goes. But listen, I appreciate everyone who's been listening to the show this year. Any new listeners, I apologize for the show being not that consistent, but trust me, I did as much as I could considering uh, the time and energy allotments. But uh, for me, this is definitely going to be a year to remember, you know, definitely one of the most memorable years of my entire career. And, you know, fingers crossed, you know, things keep doing well and keep doing better. But me, the way only way I know how to approach things is to just put my head down and get on that grind (laughs) and, uh, you know, continue to dream big and, you know, just try and hope good then great things happen, you know, and, and, you know, I just feel like, uh, I've had a lot of great opportunity. I'm just hoping those things continue to expand. So anyway, that was a nice little, little monologue there. The boy just talking his face off. We do have a show sponsored this week. This is a band that sponsored the show in the past. And they're a very, very cool band from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. They're a band called Lockjaw. And we're going to play a song from them entitled Sever.
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. So you just heard Lockjaw with their song Sever, which is featured from their album, which came out in 2023, entitled Relentless. And I thought that was great. You know, kind of had like a more metal version of like Stone Sour kind of situation going on there. But I thought it was really well done. That was uh, produced by a guy named Chris Collier, who actually Bad Wolves worked with uh, when we were doing the last record. We did a song with uh, Jason Hook and... Uh, Chris Engineers for Hiram. He's awesome. He's worked with Corn and Lynch Mob and Prong, bunch of bands. Super, super talented guy. And uh, yeah, Lockjaw is really kicking ass right now. They've just been doing some shows around Texas with uh, A Pond of Burning Body, and they're going on tour uh, in February with a band called Dispositions. So I would go over to their website, which is lockjawlive.com. Check out the tour dates. Go on there. It has all their social media. Go hit up the band. Uh, the record sounds great. There's obviously doing something that's very professional. And they've been around for a long time, but it seems like they're really kind of hitting the ground running. So go support the band. Check them out. Tell them Doc Coyle sent you. And if thank you to them for sponsoring the show again, awesome. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, just get them in the DMs, uh, social media, or shoot me an email at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is EX. This is probably going to be the last show of the year. Uh, so we're going to have some stuff coming up in the new year. I'm now that I'm home, I can dedicate some time, but I need to take a rest. I might do like one interview before the new year, but other than that, I need to chill. All right. Your boy's shot. I'm out of steam, out of gas, but I have a little more gas for this last episode. And we have the metal allegiance homies. We have legends. I mean, legends of all legends on this podcast. We have Mark Mengi. We have David Ellison. We have. Alex Skolnick, you know, these are heroes of mine. And because I'm going to be playing Metal Legions coming up next year, my first time, and we have even more legends. We have Chuck Billy. We have Bobby Blitz from Overkill. We have Andreas Kisser from Sepultura, who's breaking up. You're breaking my heart with this breakup. But, uh, you know, we have guys from Mastodon. We have Troy um, and Braun from Mastodon. This is going to be amazing. I feel completely not 
not worthy for this event. But, you know, the fact they am involved, they're like, hey, let's do a, a X-Men podcast. Let's talk about the event. Let's talk about the band Metal Legions, which is, you know, just, it's just heavy metal royalty. So I have to give a precursor to this interview, though. So I did this interview when I, ha- I was nursing one of the greatest hangovers of my life. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And thankfully, these guys basically did all the talking. <laughs> so I didn't have to do much. I just had to stay alive. And so I have no idea about my performance on this. I haven't gone back to listen to it. But I am alive. I can say that much. But So thank you uh, to Mark, Alex, and, and uh, Dave for carrying me during this interview. Uh, and they're vastly more in- inter- interesting than I am anyway. So it all worked out for the best. So please check out this conversation with... The legendary Mark Mengi, Alex Skolnick, and David Ellison. Well, thank you all for uh, for taking your time to be on the show. I think the only X Men proper X Men alumni here is is Dave. We mm. did it. We did it on the uh, ship rocks. Back yeah. in 2019, something like that. Yeah, down in the belly of the beast on the boat. Yeah, I remember we were in your cabin down there. Dude, it was dude, the I, shop. It, was, yeah. it was funny. I was trying to get him for the interview, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, we'll figure it out." And he's like, "When he hit me up, he's like, oh, we can do it now.'" And I was hammered. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one in the morning. I was like, "All right." I was like, "Let me shake this off. Let me do this interview." And at the first half of the interview, I'm like talking over you and. Um, dude, it's bad. It kind of settles in, but I'm like, this is not my finest work. But so, so you pulled the portnoy, we call that. Pulling <laughs> <laughs> oh, the designated button. driver. <laughs> <laughs> before the before I'm on the one a.m. Yeah, we've all done shiprock, right? In fact, we had one of our greatest metal allegiance performances on shiprock when we did. Uh, we were that year. We were playing uh, the entire first Van Halen album in its entirety. Oh yeah. And, and Alex got the guitar, the whole thing, man. And it was so fun. And then we, we played Nam, um, like we're going to do coming up. And then we went on ship rock cruise and it was funny because Wolfgang was playing bass with Mark Tremonti. Was the Nam gig so, before that or after that? I thought it was before that. Wasn't it? I can't remember. I thought it was before. Cause I thought we had done yeah, one I, and then we went on the boat and then yeah, Wolfie was there. And I just so, saw so, him. I just reminded him of that. Yes. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you guys knew him. So we got him up to play on a few tunes. That was uh, the first time I met him. Yeah. That was uh, a proud moment, Alex, watching you play Eruption or whatever we did. There were some really shredding bits that we were going into. And I was standing there watching it from afar, going, dude, there's Alex playing for Eddie's kid. Yeah. No pressure. Awesome. Like most (laughs) fucking (laughs) Valor guitar lifts licks ever. (laughs) And uh, there's a whole record. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. We 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 did that Scabia was there. Yeah. We we did that twice that record. That's right. We did it. We did it on ship rock and then we did it. So we did the the first record release show at Best Buy. Then the next night, (laughs) We did the Sabbath record, uh, Master of Reality, and we did Van Halen one again. That's right. Again, yeah, we did it twice. So we did. Like, I just remember being up in the in the chapel on the boat with Wolfie and Frank Bello going over the words and the harmonies for Running with the Devil. I was going. Yeah, it feels a little sacrilegious doing this in the chapel. Maybe we should take yeah. this outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I'm on the Metal Legions podcast. So I think well, this is, this might this might be the beginnings of a new venture for for you all. I think you're you're, yeah, you're you outnumbered. All, you're I know I like <laughs> it. You all got you make listen. Make my job easier. I'm a little hungover. I, I went I uh, 
had a Ice Nine Kills event yesterday, a, a, a premiere they were doing. So I, you know, your boy was out at the bow. All right. Yeah. I don't know how many brain cells are collaborating right now, but they're they're all fighting each other. I tell you, I do, <laughs> I do not miss those days. See, I don't I, I don't miss them. Yeah, you guys are you know living living the good clean lifestyle, and I I, I appreciate that. But uh, thank you all for for coming here, and mm -hmm. uh, thank you thank you Mark for actually just inviting me to to do this show. I feel unworthy, you know. I, I constantly I, I have a uh, imposter syndrome. There's only one reason why I invited you. There's an, so you're another Jersey d dude I could bust chops on with Blitz. Nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, the Jersey bashing. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I don't. Like, see, but, see, but I like that you that you bring that up because I feel like when it comes to thrash metal, you know, the, all we hear about is the Bay, you know, and we don't really talk true. enough about Jersey. Like, Jersey is like, <clears> it's like a two-headed you know, kind of snake if you think about it. Like Jersey, like even Metallica, right? Cut their teeth in Jersey, you know? Well, Mega Force it, Records. It's crazy when you think about it. Like Zach Wild, um, you know, uh, Mega Force <clears throat> Records, Cinderella. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Testament bon joined Mega Force after Trickster. the Metallica days, but <laughs> the uh, that had so much to do with it. Jersey, you know, Skid they're, Row, they're Jersey, right? Yeah. Good row. Yeah, yeah. The Good old row, bridge yeah. militia, you know, yeah, it all you're right, Alex. Megaforce Records. I mean, if it weren't for them, that basically launched the genre, right? By signing. Yeah, Metallica. so you could argue the Bay Area mm -hmm. wouldn't be the same were it not for New Jersey. And well, Megaforce. I have this theory, yeah. especially like my Metallica theory, is like the Metallica groove, like the you know, because Metallica grooves in their own kind of way. There's like a stomping kind of thing that just feels like so a Jersey or a New York band that what you know would would do i feel like they came out here and they saw how the streets were and they took that back to the studio all right <laughs> well anthrax you know yeah. you know when they were hanging out with anthrax back you know even when dave was in the band and they came over anthrax had their thing you know they kind of had you know anthrax and overkill kind of had new york mm -hmm. uh, that they, they owned it if you will you know and um i i like to assume you know especially with charlie you know, Charlie is one of my favorite people and, and drummers on the planet of all genres. Mm -hmm. I, th I like to think Charlie helped inspire some groove into them back into the earlier, um, earlier days. Because if you listen to Charlie play, he's all, I mean, he's 100% groove. Yeah, but that's, yeah. I think a lot they of were the hardcore there, influence. Paths, you know, that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is, this is re really, really cool. Like usually on this show, you know, I don't generally do a lot of multi, uh, person interviews because you know the, the x-man dave knows i get into the i get into the weeds but we're gonna do it do, do something different we're because we have to get you each to do your own proper x-man interview where i can you know really grill you but we're this is basically going to be a general general thing talking about uh metal legions and just see what you guys are up to but um uh, you know so it's 10 years of metal legions um how did this whole project even start so let me take it and then I'll hand it over to you, Maggie. So <clears throat> Megadeth was supposed to be on the motorboat cruise, um, Motorhead's uh, first cruise. <clears throat> I kind of worked behind the scenes to get the band on the boat. I was telling her management, I was like, look, we need to go do these. These pay great. <laughs> they're easy. They're fun. But you also have to be of the nature to kind of want to hang around and be with the fans because you're just kind of part of it, right? Um, unless you hide out up in your cabin or you fly on and off the boat and all this kind of stuff. And nobody was doing that on the on the Motorhead cruise. So um, 
a series of events, Megadeth pulls off the cruise. Um, the promoter, uh, Danny Hill, who uh, works for the Shiprock gang, they actually were the promoter for uh, for the motorboat cruise. And that was kind of when they first started theming the bands with their own cruises, you know. Um, so he calls me, he goes, dude, I'm fucked. What am I going to do? Like, my, you know, basically it was Motorhead and Megadeth, you know, were the two kind of headliners. And I, he goes, is Slayer around? <clears throat> he said, they're not. They're in the studio. I said, you know what? I got an idea. <laughs> I said, me, <laughs> me and Mark Mengi. I said, Mengi was working for Samson, and we were doing Metal Masters during the Big Four, you know, a couple years earlier. So this was probably, what, 2014, I think, right? And um, that we're on, 2014 was the Motorhead Cruise. And I said, you know, we got something we're going to launch in a couple of months at NAMM, because this is probably, what, maybe September, August, September, and we're coming into the cruise was in October, and we were going to launch Metal Allegiance uh, in January, you know, so four months later. I said, hang tight one second. Let me make a phone call. So I quickly called Meg. I go, dude, we're up to bat. Fucking let's get it together. Let's go. And um, he made a couple of calls. And next you remember thing you what know. I was doing? Do you remember when you called me what I was doing? I think you were at the beach or something, right? <laughs> you like, fuck something, you, right? man. We ain't doing fuck this. I, I literally had flip-flops yeah. on and shit. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're like, I... I'm I'm past my employment. I'm taking the summer off. I'm not doing shit. And I remember Billy Billy Sheehan said something to me one time. He goes, "You will have to make the most critical decisions of your career under the worst of times." Right. So here's Mengi at the beach, going, "Fuck, I'm. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm transitioning into a new career, whatever." And all of a sudden, it's like, "Dude, run the boat. Let's go." And the funny thing is, because because Testament was on the boat, so Alex was going to be there. Portnoy was coming out. Of course, Chris Broderick and Sean Drover were going to be there. Uh, Sean ended up not coming. But, you know, we were basically all going to be on the boat anyway because it was cool. It was this first big, yeah. you know, it's kind of heavy metals kiss cruise, if you will, well, right? Kind of the that. first big thing. So we were yeah. all there. And, 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 and to be honest with you, it started what has now become a norm on every cruise, which is this kind of big all-star jam at the end because we were ultimately the all-star jam. Metal Allegiance was like, you know, the whatever Friday and Saturday night all-star jam kind of closed the boat up. And then, you know, now Shiprock, of course, has the stowaways on the Megadeth cruise. We all pitched in and we did the big kiss jam. So, you know, this is a normal thing. And honestly, it all started with Metal Allegiance saving well, the day for the Motorhead I'm, cruise. I'm going to yeah. fill in some blanks here. <clears throat> Please do. A month, a month before that call, back in my uh, days... Um, I was literally by myself at a taco bar, just 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 going going to town, and and that's where I wrote Metal Allegiance on a napkin at the old Del Fuego, if you remember. I remember that, yeah. And I go, what the fuck is this? And again, I was a little <laughs> three sheets to the wind. Huh. Um, and I remember calling Dave and going, dude, Metal Allegiance, and this is like a month before that. And then we, mm-hmm. that's when we started talking about, you know, should we get this back together? You know, we we had some cool things going on with metal masters and um it was the great unknown and it wasn't it was nothing more than just talk right dudes just just talking and then once that call came in for for motorboat it was like all right i guess it's, it's go time and um fast forward on that boat i was with um Dar- uh, darren sanders bubbers who we all probably know and love who um Heck me and him extraordinary 
Yeah, we, we went on a wild adventure on an off day, him and I, <laughs> as you can imagine, some more shit. And I remember walking on that boat with a coconut filled with tequila. And I knew Alex. I knew Alex. <laughs> we really didn't know each other. Yeah. Right. And I just remember walking into the artist catering with my fucking straw hat. <laughs> I was like, you're fucking jamming with us tomorrow. And I just fucking fell. With Metal Masters, you know, that we were doing, and that was sponsored largely through Samson Technologies. And, and I was a, it's funny, right before I went back to Megadeth in 2010, I met Mengi, I met Mark for the first time at NAM, and we started talking about me coming back over to, um, uh, Parky, Samson, I still worked at PV at the time because my my transition out of PV back into Megadeth literally happened in the same month. It was kind of seamless. And, and in fact, once I was back in Megadeth in early 2010, I called Mark and go, dude, I'm back in Megadeth. I need some Harky shit. We're playing Rust and Beast, right? And so it was really, you know, it's funny how these moments happen where you just meet the right people at the right time because a door is going to open. And, and, and so it's funny, Mark and I have had this really interesting kind of business relationship around that. And then he started putting together um, the metal masters, which was sort of an all-star famous guys doing clinics and then get together and do an all-star jam at the end of the night. And yeah, we did it at the best Buy theater. We did it at the key club on sunset uh, Boulevard during Hollywood. Um, you know, had a little, you know, Dave Lombardo and geezer Butler and all kinds of famous people joined us. So once, once Mark was transitioned out of Samson, I said to him, um, I said to him, dude, you already did the hardest part. You got all the famous guys in a room. It's like, we got to keep this going, man. Cause it was so fun. And then, then, like you said, metal allegiance came up. I said, you know, I said, you know, I think you said, I, I called my lawyer. I'm going to trademark in the name. I said, done, let's go. You know, let's get it going. So, um, yeah, that was kind of, that's the earliest origin. And you're right on the boat, you know, we're all there, the anthrax guys and, and, um, yeah, Alex sort of got knighted, like, dude, you're in, get over here. Yeah, take the <laughs> The mafia yeah, attacked you. The metal mafia. We needed somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then was, while we were on the boat, Portnoy, after we jammed, I think it was right, we're sitting in catering before we're going to play the second night, which I think was basically side one of the first Van Halen album or something we were playing. And yeah. Portnoy says, he goes, dude, in December, why don't we just come over to my house and write an album? He goes, this is how I do all my records. You just come to my house, sleep on my couch. We'll work all, all night and day down in my basement, in my studio. And that's what we did. We got together in December, a couple months later, and we, we started writing uh, what became our debut album and nuclear blast picked it up and put it out. And the rest is history. Yeah. I'll just add, I remember the call coming in to do an original <clears throat> album I, mm -hmm. within 48 hours of docking the cruise ship back back on u.s soil it, it was like right. no time at all i think i just Dude, barely it was all fucking system it was, I was like okay no man yeah, yeah i mean it was it. on yeah it was, it was on right away i can yeah. tell okay no this is an organization no time is going to be wasted yeah, yeah well right. think, think about this though we we wrote the record in two we did 10 10 songs in like fucking eight days we wrote and we we wrote recorded mixed mastered signed a deal with 25 fucking artists on it and we did this uh, under a year uh, the whole fucking yeah, band released yeah. under a year ambitious yeah, yeah fucking yeah, yeah. crazy man <laughs> well i think that elevates the project right because so many there's so many of these kind of super group or kind of collective you know the avengers kind of getting together to uh to, to rock out but having original music 
I think makes it a lot more special. It makes it, there's something kind of to galvanize around outside of just the shows, you know, it, it, it becomes a real band. Totally. And you know, it, oh, yeah. it, you know, it's funny, Portnoy called Monty Connor, uh, who was at Roadrunner and, and was a nuclear yeah. blast when he signed us and he got it. Cause they had done some things with Roadrunner. What was that thing called Roadrunner United yeah, where they had album. a bunch of these, a bunch of their different artists come together. So Monty got the picture of it. Uh, and we always, we always deemed it, look, it's the core four, right? It's Alex, Mark, Portnoy, and myself, right? We're the core four of, of the recording artists, so to speak. You know, the four guys signed to the contract, you know, the, we're, we're the, you know, kind of the chiefs of staff. And then we bring in everybody else to be part of it. And, and, you know, it's funny, even watching the videos, right? Like I'm watching Randy Blythe and, you know, Gary Holtz. I mean, well, that's us really in the studio. I mean, that was the studio out of Long oh, yeah. Island. And uh, what was the name? Sabellus? Is that what the place was called? Sabellus Studios. That was in Sabella Studios. Roslyn or Mineola or somewhere over there in Nassau County, Long Island. Roslyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roslyn, yep. So they actually trusted us with some money to go in the studio. Well, we started cutting the record. You know, like all these things, they all start DIY, right? It's your own time. It's your own money. It's your own contacts. Dude, we self-funded that record, man. That was before we the did. fucking deal. That's true. We, yeah. we did. Yeah. Yeah. We invested with all that money we must have made from the cruise. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know what's a, funny yeah. about that record? You know, we each, including Mike, too, we had a lot to say, you know, musically and um, and vocally. You know, and I know for me, I had a lot of shit to get off my chest um, in, in both aspects of it. You know, and not only the first record, second record, too. But um, even listening to, I remember going to Dave, Dave brought in this tune. And I go, why the fuck isn't this on a Megadeth record? And I said the same thing to Alex about uh, the Pledge of Elite Pledge. Uh, I think, dude, why isn't this on a testament record? What the fuck? Are we, what, what are you doing? You know, I didn't want to do it for MA because it was that good. And um, and, and like myself, they too had, you know, musically and lyrically had a lot to say. And if you listen, you know, you go back to, you know, it's 10 years now with that record, some good shit on there, even to this day. You know, to me, I'm I'm starting to run through the songs again and just get it in my head again. It's like, yeah, this shit's still relevant and lyrically still very relevant. What's what's going on in the world today? Um, oh yeah, even more yeah. so. Yeah, even more yeah. so now yeah. than, yeah. than stuff we were writing about on that record was uh, ahead of, little yeah, I, few years ahead of its time. Yeah. Go back and listen to that stuff, and I think the first couple of lyrics we wrote, because Mark, you and I sat in the corner at Sabellus and started writing lyrics, right? Going, all right, we got all these songs. We better yeah. start in some lyrics. I showed you. I think we started with "Can't Kill the Devil" and "Pledge of Allegiance." We started getting those together, and um, you know that started a creative partnership there with that. And um, you know, Mark, you know, played bass on some stuff um, to kind of, which you know, then I think from what I saw, got got Mark inspired to really, really hone his chops and be a bass player. You know, because once you're in the studio, that's the true test. It's like how good or poor am I? And it was great, Mark, because I think you got in there, you played some stuff, and like, you know what, I'm gonna really hone my chops and so on album two i mean i think you probably played two-thirds of the bass on that record right so it, it was it was great because it was really more of a trade-off and and i thought the same thing with uh alex with your riffs you were bringing in i mean you know you can hear the testament in it just probably the same way you could hear the megadeth blueprint in me because that's we spent so many years you know in our bands but the thing I always admired about you, Alex, is you always had this other outlet because yeah. you did your jazz studies and you have your trio. So 
you know, you could be the Testament guy and then step out and go be Alex Goldick. Right. And, and somewhere in between what was, I think what we discovered and got to have with, with metal allegiance, you know, stuff that could be yeah. on a Testament record, but sure. stuff that was really your own, you know, yeah. and Portnoy, it's funny, Portnoy's participation, he had the whiteboard, right? So he'd write out the, or, you know, he'd write out the, oh, the, yeah. the, the um, you know, the, the composition flow and, you know, two times to this riff and then back to this one and then over to this one. And he'd have, he was like the coach. And, yeah, and when, he when, is and, like a pile driver. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and yeah. when he got That's excited the road about map. something, we're gonna go this part. We gotta try that. Okay, if that didn't work, we're gonna do the yeah. this Fucking, way. He was fast, yeah. man. Yeah, too. Yeah. It no was just like bam, bam, bam. Yeah, he's like a yeah. coach putting plays on the board. Right. This is where they end around, and then you know, tight end. Da, da, da. So, but I have, and, I, but I have a question. Funny. I have a question. Yeah, yeah. Were, you, were you guys writing like? sitting around the drum kit like old school or are you in front of a computer totally. screen cutting old exactly. school no right. old school yeah. in, fa in fact portno even said we had to get someone from his son's band to come in and run the pro tools and he even said he goes we've probably made a hundred records between all of us knuckleheads and not one of us knows how to run pro tools <laughs> right so we were like you know kind of computer illiterate but we were yeah we were in the room old school drums bass guitar just freaking rocking it you know and yeah we were because jams yeah right. when portnoy was... got excited about something that's when it went to another level like i remember one time we were i think alex you and i were working on some kind of soft clean tone arpeggio thing or something and all of a sudden mike got all excited goes runs behind his drums and he's just like this is amazing and even singing i remember on mm -hmm. like um um there's a song there's the ballad song on uh the first album and Mike wait just wait what is until it? tomorrow. I think it yeah, wait until tomorrow. And it's funny. He just he was singing wait until tomorrow. Right. And I just said, I said, are you singing wait until tomorrow? He goes, he goes, I don't know what the fuck I'm singing. I'm just like <laughs> kind of making up a melody. I said, well, it sounds like you're singing wait until tomorrow. So I'm going to run with that lyric and write a lyric. So between us, we basically wrote a song around just a mumble. That Portnoy was singing, yeah. and it made me realize what a great singer he is. And in Dream Theater, he was, you know, a huge lyric writer. So he, you know, he had a whole other sort of background participation that always sort of crept right in and and sort of glued this whole thing together, which I thought well, was yeah. pretty he cool. To stay actually. away from the lyric writing. With <clears throat> yeah, he refused was... to write lyrics. He said, yeah. "My yeah, lyric he, writing days are over." He had some good vocal melody ideas. And, yeah, uh, great. I think all all of us had some ideas that were written out before or demoed up before i remember i had some parts that either just never got picked up by testament or maybe part <clears throat> of the a couple riffs got picked up by testament but there were these leftover riffs that i thought were just as good and uh, we would just start jamming on those i would show everybody but then there were other times where you know we'd go have lunch come back somebody would just pick up an instrument and start playing at random something totally right oh, what's that you're that's playing how di that's how dying oh, started yeah we came back from eating and i was sitting on i remember this clear like it was yesterday i was on that couch with my bass noodling mike was behind a kit dave had guitar in his hands as did mm -hmm. alex and the riff to dying song just fucking fell out right and yeah. you know and that's how that came about and it was like bam you know and yeah there you I, go. and i've heard Still a lot of other stories later. like that you know, yeah. Jeff Beck talks about Stevie Wonder going out to lunch. He, Stevie Wonder comes back. Jeff's just messing around on the drums, playing the drum beat that would become superstition. And he's right. like, 
I'm not a drummer. You are now. Keep playing that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we, that have, we had a lot of moments like that. Like, oh, wait, yeah. what is that? I don't know. I'm just messing around. Yeah. Well, don't stop. Here. And it's funny. I remember on that particular. I remember on that particular moment. This is probably pre-Amazon. You know, Portnoy. His 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 basement looks like a guitar center, drum drum and percussion room combined with Tower Records, right? And I remember when we were writing that, like or Looney Tunes in Long Island. Some yeah, yeah, Beatles or Beach Boys box set shows up, and he's got some eight track in the corner. So he's over there (laughs) preoccupied with that. Meanwhile, we're like going over riffs and. And he would just kind of chime in and go, that part's awesome. This part's cool. Put that part over here. Then now comes the whiteboard and, you know, and um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really fun, I remember when, when we started the whole thing, you know, Mangy said, he goes, let's write a thrash record. Let's just write a great thrash record. And that was really the impetus. And I, I think what, what Mangy brought in was this sort of Pantera swagger. Um, and I'll say him being a few years younger you know, had the Black Sabbath geezer influence that most of us metalheads have, but also had maybe this kind of Pantera, you know, swampy, groovy swagger that I, and that's what I felt Mark brought in on that first record, especially mm-hmm. this different, this different swagger that, you know, maybe me and Alex being, a, you know, kind of more 80s thrash. You know, we took Pantera out on tour with us, right? Like we would, we introduced <laughs> right. Pantera to we, the world. We saw so Pantera we when so much, they were starting yeah we weren't so much influenced with them we sort of ushered them in you know so whereas mark being a few years younger probably maybe had a little bit more of that footprint um of an influence in his world which uh so it was nice to have you know to have kind of this age group i mind you though as much as i love pantera love them to you know i've seen them a shit ton of times in the 90s uh 2000s musically though playing and stylistically all that is that's straight up Motown. Totally. That's all that means. You know, it's James Jamerson, you know, Funk Brothers, Motown, Groove, Swag, James Brown, Bootsy, all that shit, man. And uh what turned up with a little overdrive on a bass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a great conversation with with Vinny. You know, we had a we did a gigantic tour in twenty thirteen and he was standing in the front lounge of our bus yeah. and talking to me and Dave and he was talking about how he and Rex were in jazz band together growing up. Right. So they were, they were buddies and he had this full drum scholarship to go off to college and do the, basically become Alex Skolnick, you know, <laughs> go be like a real, you know, proficient, educated uh, musician and probably become an educator. And, you know, he chose to, you know, stay true to Pantera, but, you know, and he was talking about how the whole, obviously they were influenced by Van Halen, but also this kind of ZZ Top swagger mm-hmm. that was around, you know, and now how that, they just, you know, they had this kind of, yeah, this Rio Grande mud meets Van Halen meets Metallica, you know, influence on it. And, um, and uh, so you're right, Mark, I think there is, there was a different Southern swagger that came in, you know, from, uh, from that. And, you know, clearly you brought that into this record, especially on the first album. Yeah, second re- second record, we went a little off kilter, <laughs> um, big time actually. You know, completely that va- it's with the exception of probably the accuser music. And I'm talking musically. Yeah, right? yeah, it, that record went so many places. Fucking another planet that one. Yeah. Went. <clears throat> so the million dollar question: Is there a new album in the works or plans? Nothing. You want to get back in in, in Portnoy's basement? <laughs> you know the way we left it, it that way yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly well you know the the way we left it was um 
you know, everybody started getting busy, obviously, with everything going on. And then once COVID hit, that changed the arc of everything. And we were all in our basements trying to figure out what the fuck, you know, how to, how to, how do we move forward? And now that the world's opened up, we're just kind of making up for lost time, I think, for the most part. Um, you know, and, and now kind of reset and, you know, back into a, a new, you know, a new day here. But, um, you know, it's funny. We, and I, I'll give Alex credit for this. You know, we, we've toured this thing a few times in a couple of different numerations, West Coast, East Coast, and Midwest states and everything. And, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of members. And, you know, we just realize that as best we can, we keep it as the core four. If we have to add and move around, whatever with that we do. But, um, you know, Alex always said, he goes, let's, instead of killing ourselves on the road, like trying to go out like a new band, you know, with the production, the size of earth, wind and fire, you know, and, and having all these moving parts, which is very expensive. He goes, why don't we just look for events, you know? And that's when, you know, Shiprock Cruise doing house of blues, you know, yeah, Nam. that's yeah. why Nam became this anchor. And, and, and I think you, you're right, Alex. It's like, this is more of an, an events band, you know, um, yeah. where we can play a bigger event, a bigger look that people are kind of already there for, for other stuff. Um, like, and that's what works great with Nam. you know, is, is everybody's there, um, <clears throat> including, you know, all the people going to Disneyland. Uh, and so it's a big event. So it, it, you know, it bodes well for us. And then we can really focus on having a special set list. And, you know, that's why when, when Mark said, he goes, dude, it's 10 years. I was like, Jesus, really unbelievable. You know, so it, it's a cool, and of course we got a few years that went by with COVID. So that bought us a couple of years for free. Um, you know, but it's, but it, it's pretty cool that, you know, it, I don't know about you guys, but I, again, listening to the, to the songs and our set list that we have in front of us, you know, it's fun to go back in and learn it. Cause when I'm playing one, I go, God, I can just picture Gary Holt standing here. I can picture Andreas over there. Skolnick will be up there on the pedal board. You know, I kind of already have a visual of what, what it feels like in the room. Um, and let me tell you on stage, this is the loudest fucking band I've ever played with. It's like, these are like oh, the yeah, loudest guitar players in the planet. You know, I mean, it wow. is fucking metal. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, yeah. I tell you, man, um, learning the songs again is not fucking easy. Yeah. You know? There's some tricky and, stuff in there. Especially I, I just spent a summer learning 28 Joseph <clears throat> fucking songs, which is a whole nother goddamn spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then when you go from playing all the Satch music, um, and plus I've been doing this uh, Netflix shit, which is a, scoring and which is a whole nother world I'm doing musically. And then it's like, all right, let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the uh, blood here of, of Thrash, what, what I'm known mm. for, what I do. Right. Yeah. Nope. Not yet. <laughs> I'm not, not, <laughs> ready, not, ready, not ready for that yet because my hand is just my hand. I play uh, with no pick, mate just all fingers and i'm like holy shit what the fuck man i was like i yeah what, there's what, some what, crazy parts on there i told you should be using darkness pick, fall we're doing let darkness darkness fall eh? yeah like that i remember that one yeah even the guitar part just the, the rift is really like so much going on well that you know funny thing about that song Great. i remember being in sabella uh, at, in the studio, we were we were recording the song. It was written, it was recorded, the whole middle breakdown where I'm doing the whole bass solo shit. I remember you played electric guitar over that, and I was like, dude, you have a flamenco guitar or some kind of classical nylon? And 
that's when you brought in the next day that nylon string guitar and you did that whole beautiful, which to me is the whole song is that guitar part, uh, that acoustic guitar part to that tune, which <clears throat> I've always tried to force you to do that live, getting, you know, with the guitar stand on stage. Yeah. Getting, yeah. Up there, which, psych- psychedelic. I will, we'll have to do that again. Yeah, man. That That's my favorite part of that entire song is, yeah. is just me sitting back, listening to you play, you know, that acoustic. Mm-hmm. And then it builds back up to the, yeah. the Troy insanity. Is um, how much of the set is like original and covers is like 50 50 kind of situation or probably just about just about i mean in the beginning we started out having to play van halen records you know and uh, whatever (laughs) else we did Hmm. sabbath yeah exactly but no you're right and that that you know that became a badge of honor actually to know you know for we would play our you know can't kill the devil pledge of allegiance stuff off the first album and People would kind of look at us like, hmm, I wonder what song that is. But now that we have a couple of albums out, and it, well, even you know the Eagles thing that you guys did, you know, there's there's some real legitimate yeah. you know titles out there. You know, now we really are our own recording artist, if you will. You know, and that 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 changes the arc of it because then you start to get fans, and I, it's funny. I'm looking at the YouTube numbers. I mean, there's some real numbers on there. You know, and and our Spotify. Mark pulled up a bunch of Spotify listens and stuff and we have like some i don't know five million and you know eight ten million or whatever i mean like real numbers you know oh, yeah. oh, oh, you got yours i, I still just, need to buy mine oh yeah me too yeah all right this is like a band meeting so we got to tighten our business up here me and scully need to buy our plaques yeah, <laughs> those are good know, actually I like step, right ahead I'm uh, 10 steps ahead of you buddy oh <laughs> man see i'm blowing it here all right i gotta get my so, shit together here a, fu- a funny a funny <laughs> Last year in 2022, uh, MA did a one-off show. I wasn't at, and Dave wasn't at. Alex and Portnoy held down the fort. We were um, on the main stage of uh, Rock and Rio. Nice. And I remember watching the live stream, pissed that I wasn't there. Fucking pissed. <laughs> but what was cool was seeing all the fans sing all the words to "Can't Kill the Devil." Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, that dying was, song. They knew every moment. fucking word to every one of those MA songs, which was crazy. Um, so Alex, what was that like? <clears throat> seeing that, yeah, that was sing- a I, I, you know, totally missed you guys completely. But uh, aside from you guys not being there, it was a real highlight of the our whole thing. Um, people, you know, I mean, any if you play South America. You know, it's just next level with yeah. the fans. The response yeah, level yeah. is yeah. that much higher. And that was uh that was definitely the case. But yeah, Rock and Rio is a huge event. It was a huge show. Uh Iron Maiden was headlining. Uh Sepultura played right after us. That's the only reason Andreas couldn't join us because uh we had back to back shows. But I it was the first time I got to see like what Sepultura means in Brazil. Because uh, I got yeah. off stage, uh, I did an, a television interview. They were talking to everybody coming off stage, and I'm I'm watching, and I see Temple Tour. They have a full orchestra, full <laughs> like the entire symphony. It looked like two symphony orchestra symphony oh, orchestra. An orchestra down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, it was yeah. massive, and. Um, so that happened. Iron Maiden happened, but and it wasn't like a, a show where people are kind of burned out, just saving their energy for the headliners. Like they were just super 
supportive of us, even though it was it was the afternoon. And yeah, they knew the song. <clears throat> and they're they're singing along and uh, doing all the responses. And uh, there's a great clip of dying song where everybody's just got their hands in the air and it's just, uh, yeah, you'd think this were a band that tours Brazil regularly and that has been coming there for decades, but right. Right. Uh, yeah. First time there. And they, they totally got it. So for a show like that, um, how many vocalists did you have for the show? Two. We had, uh, Chuck Billy and, uh, John Bush. I believe, or was it Blitz? No, it was John. It was John. It was, it was John. It had to be John. Yeah, because I remember I created um, a graphic for. Uh, I know when you, we did the Accuser, I remember I was adamant about doing a Trevor tribute. A tribute, yes, um, to him, and uh, which John, and that was the first time John sang the Accuser, and oh, again, me good. going, with John, man, can you please do? That? Yeah. <laughs> That's locally. right. And of course, yeah. we did like '90s Anthrax, so yeah, of yeah. course it was it was John. So yeah, uh, so two vocalists, uh, Phil Demmel on second guitar. Nice. Is there any like bucket list guests you guys have like a, a list like we're we're gunning for these people one day to c come down, whether maybe it's a record or or live? Just one for me. What's that? Said it a million times, and I'll say it till we die. Is James Hetfield? Oh, James, James Hetfield. That's a tough get. I know it's a tough get, but once, just just once, just once. Do you know? It would have to be circumstantial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I'm I in the wedding it. band with Rob <clears throat> Kirk. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't the last show, but a couple shows ago we did. And it's like, oh, it's like uh, James was gonna do um, a corrosion of conformity song. Um, uh, what was it ban animal, ban, ban animal. albatross so we like we mm. learned it and uh me and the drummer were like you know john theater we're jamming it we're like ready to play albatross we're pumped and then and it didn't happen so i didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't I didn't get the jam right. with the <laughs> and and we were supposed One to day. do a a sweet song with lars and he didn't end up doing it so i, was, I learned all these songs thinking i was going to be jammed with the other guys from talc and it didn't happen but one day one day yeah one day yeah i would say that happens to demo we throw all this shit at demo and then we only wind up doing half of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i feel but, like that um, happens a lot of my who games. else um well you know we haven't had anybody from iron maiden uh no but nico has been to the shows yeah hung out with him that's a, that's a that's but, a start I mean, that's one thing about a thing like Nam is there's people around and the invitations can happen. The, uh, you know, um, some people just, you know, a couple of drinks into the night. Ah, fuck it. Sure. Why not? You know, <laughs> sometimes you catch them at 10 a.m. in a sober moment. Maybe not. But by 10 p.m., a couple of beers into the night. Yeah, sure. I'll come out and jam with you guys, you know. So, you know, we're not so much a sort of jam band. I mean, things are pretty organized, but at the same time, things are loose enough that if a moment happens, we would certainly allow that, you know, um, which yeah. is, which is, you know, I think kind of, kind of a cool little perk that we have. Yeah. I think my number one pick, I don't think it will ever happen because I don't think he's ever jammed with anybody, but Ang Angus young. And I would just, wow, there you go. I would yeah. step aside like <laughs> you, yeah. you play or I'll, I'll do my best, uh, you know, Malcolm, whatever, but, <laughs> Maybe we need to bring 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 the uh bring the party to Australia and then 
try and make that happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, still, I don't, I don't think still I've there. ever seen him in any other situation yeah. ever. <clears throat> no. I so, think Steve Harrison's the same way. I remember talking to Nico one day about that. He goes, yeah, Steve doesn't jam with anybody. And it's not that he is a snob. He's just so focused on Iron Maiden music that he doesn't go jam, you know? Well, so, he does have his own uh, little band that actually plays clubs, British Lion. Yeah, right. Yeah, Our British Lion. Sharon, but they play British Lion like music, Brooks you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah I don't think he's, he's kind of... Yeah. Whereas Nico, Nico's a jammy kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Kirk Hammett's a jammy kind of dude. As is Trujillo, you know. Yep. So there's there's jammy dudes, and then there's guys right. that just don't jam, you know, for whatever reason. Well, that's always been a good thing about MA, you know. And this is not a knock on anybody or or any event, but we've we've all been to a lot of those jam gigs out there. All right, we've yeah. we've all done them. We've all been a part of them. The one thing I love about MA is like what you said earlier. It's pretty damn organized. That shit's ran like a fucking goddamn. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got all the people, you know, Dan and all them back. Good there crew. Yeah. John Rupp, Dan. They they, they make yeah. that shit happen for Bubbers these Bubbers when he's around. <laughs> it, it's not like you could, you know, anybody could just, we're pretty picky on who we invite. Mm-hmm. And it goes through all four of us. Um, we just don't invite anybody. Um, more so because... The more you have, the more people you have, the more instruments you have, the more of a fucking clusterfuck this is going to turn into, exactly. which turns into dead time on stage, which turns into usually an Asagata 20-minute fucking comedy stand-up. Or, <laughs> you know, it's it just, it just, you know, and as a fan, you put yourself in a fan shoes, especially in them, you're on a trade show floor all day. You barely ate the fucking, you know, the Carl's Jr. or whatever the hell you're going to get down the block. And then you now you're at a show for however many hours. You're fucking exhausted. Right. You know? And yeah. it's to me, it's not fair that you have a bunch of fucking jack-off rock stars fucking around backstage right now, you know, dicking off where you could have a, you know, a straight ahead show, you know. And um yeah. I think that's where MA has done a really good job. And and and, and to that. That's one thousand percent Dan and John and all those guys behind the scenes who, you know, they, they're working the show right now, man. The show's not for a few months, but there's Excel documents galore. There's all kinds of shit I'm seeing right now, and it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. What goes well, and you and you too, Mark. Don't don't cut yourself out of that because you organize. Like you're the one who calls. Hey, what do you think? Metal Legion's ten. Nam. What do you think? Are you in? You know, you you started oh, all- it. In- then oh. you send the set list, and then you say, I'm thinking these songs with these guys and, you know, putting that together. I mean, that's an incredible amount of organization. You know, and in the words of Portnoy, you know, bands are not democracies. As much as we all thought they were when we were kids. Remember that, Doc? If we all thought, man, how cool it'd be to kiss a cheap trick or whatever. And Man, they must all get along like brothers, you know. And then you get in a band and you realize we don't. And, uh, you know, at some point, somebody has to be the leader de facto. Somebody's got to take the reins, yeah. Yeah, and I think in Metal Allegiance, you know, there's there's four leaders, and we let each other lead in the area that we're expertise, you know. And I think we kind of figured that out over the years, you know, because when you come into something and go, well, I've got this many records sold, or I toured, you know, like that, that's an immediate non-starter. And, and we didn't, none of us came into this like that. You know, we all came in with the mutual respect and, everybody's got their plaques on the wall, you know? So it's, it's, it was more like, okay, you know, uh, again, you know, Mike is the great sort of, uh, you know, composer, you know, the, what, what am I saying? The arranger, right. He's, he's great with that. 
Um, he's a workhorse. He plays all night long. You know, it, whereas there's a couple bass players, a few guitar players, you know, Portnoy's behind the kit all night long. I mean, just a total workhorse, you know, Mangy's the good visionary organizer. I'm sort of the, on the deck, crack the whip guy, you know? Um, and, you know, and, and Alex is, is he's our, our musical genius, you know, and, um, and really when everybody gets stuck, I'm good. <laughs> when the, the momentum stops all the type a personalities or you want to, I'm going to give you a funny, and I'm, I'm like, guys, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to tell this. You just reminded me this. San Francisco, we had a 12 a.m. bus call in Vegas to go to San Francisco to arrive by 11 a.m., which is, if anyone knows, driving a fucking tour bus from Vegas to San Francisco, you're probably not getting there in that length of time. You need a good, it's a good 12 hours by bus. But I don't know how we did it. The bus driver was driving like 200 miles per hour. Um, We were all fucking that bus ride to the Bay Area was nuts. Alex is rapping the Humpty Dance. There's all kinds of shit going on. Video. There's all kinds of shit going on. But we get we get to San Francisco. We go to the Murder in the Front Row premiere. We we do the whole movie thing. Then we get to the now it's time for business. We get to the venue for sound check. And I'll never forget there was there was something happened and Dave was on fucking stage. I really wanted to hand him a whip. Because it was like fucking just the fucking general, right? It was like bam. It was like, it was like whoa, shit, you know. And I'll never, I'll never forget that the Dave just pacing the stage, just back and forth with shit, just shit going on. I was like, oh man, this is funny. I'm like, shut up, stop fucking playing. Listen to what the sound man was. Mike, stop <laughs> you. Turn your fucking guitar down. I'm like, I know. I'm like the. I'm like the the musical director of like stop fucking around guy, you know what I mean? So uh, whereas Alex is actually a real musical director, you know. So uh, like Alex is a guy I go to and I go, what the fuck is that riff? That good, 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 good. What are those three notes right there that are all gobbled together? Like Alex, you know, he's he's the fine tune the detail guy, you know. Oh, hey, it's like this, you know. And in a moment's notice, knows every note of every song, every part has it completely dialed, you know? So um, Alex is always my de facto figure the part out guy, you know? Yeah, I'm good for some things. Like, I'm not good at, like, shouting over everybody. <laughs> yeah, like, that's me. I'm everybody's good talking all at once. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the guy that, you know, comes out, fellas, stop! <laughs> um, I'll, I'll never forget that. Dave fucking snapped his shit on that stage, man. <laughs> And um, because again, we were trying to fit Tom Hunting's kit, a third drum oh, kit. Now, that was, now I remember, yeah. now I remember what all the drama was about. <laughs> oh, it was all, you know. Then we tried to do an Exodus set in the middle of a Metal Legion set. Yeah, and <laughs> love Exodus, love Rick Hunol, but that was it. I forget what happened. Like he was, I think he he hadn't gigged in a while. Rick was kind of back on the scene. Yeah. That was just like setting his. It, stuff up taking his time and trying this and we're like yeah. dude yeah yeah this is a live understand. nation gig boys we got shit we are on the clock they are not yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a curfew there's we need so to get much going you know that has yeah. to happen doors yeah. are in under yeah. 30 minutes i'll tell you though <laughs> be, being the young guy it was kind of cool to, you know not only to be in exodus for a minute for that but it was cool to be in exodus for a minute in the bay area 
and, and seeing the fucking even when we you know we did the testament tune uh we did into the pit and then the, the little mm-hmm. mini exodus set and then the and the Metallica shit that we did in the Bay Area, it was cool to fucking see that. But I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get to experience that. You know, um, I was three thousand miles away in another coast and a tad younger. Um, you know, obviously you read about it, you see about it, all the documentaries and the videos, but to see that that crowd lose their fucking shit, you know, once we cracked oh, the bottle by blood, it was like, whoa, this is. This is this is what it's about here, which is for me a little bit different. You know, New York yeah, to have all that centered around the premiere of uh, Murder yeah. in the Front Row is a lot of right. fun, and then the the uh, screening of that was amazing with so many people who were in the film in the audience, yeah, you know, heckling, <clears throat> you know, because everybody knew each other. And, Oh God! Yeah. The Exodus guys in the screening Rick, of Murder on the again. Front Road, Doc. Rick, oh my yeah, God. Rick was just yeah, not to single out Rick, but yeah, it was just nonstop, yeah. you know, yelling stuff at the screen. <laughs> a lot of inside jokes guys? that we got that oh. like a lot of other people yeah. didn't. <laughs> was that like what? What is what is the show where the two guys, the two robots, sit there and make jokes at oh, each other? Uh, Mystery, Mystery Science, Science Theater. Theater. Mystery Science 3, Theater. That's what it was. Yeah. It was like it was like a thrash metal Mystery Science Theater and Exodus were the host. These oh, guys back there just uh, like commenting and weighing in. It was the funniest fucking yeah. thing, man. That should have been that, filmed. That, that day too, you know that that twenty four hour span was nuts. But that was the last time um, I saw Ray uh, Burton. He was at oh. the, yeah. So he yeah. was. That was I think that was his last time he was really out because he died not too long after that. Um, yeah, Ray. He was a big fan, and Mark, you really befriended oh, yeah. him. Of course, he was. He would, you know, we all kind of knew him in the community. And during Nam, that was when they were rolling out the Aria Pro uh, Cliff Burton signature bases. Morley rolled out his uh, Cliff Burton signature wah wah pedal. And uh, I think I gave mine to you, right? Didn't I, Mark? <laughs> because I was like, if there's one guy who can use this pedal, it's Mark Mengi. And uh, yeah, Hall. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'd right. sit over on the side of the stage. He'd sit stage right by, yep, there it is. Exactly. And yeah, just sit and watch Mark play. You guys yeah. listening? Somebody uh, made this. He's showing a, a. It's a painting, right? Of, yeah, of you and, and Cliff. Yeah, and uh, so that Cliff's dad had this made for me. And, and you know, you know, it's. I'm sorry. Yeah, which is unbelievable. I have it. It hangs right here. I say, look at it every day. Um, you know, I just showed up in my house one day. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And um, it's unbelievable. It's all airbrushed and you know, hand done. And it's, it's Ray. I remember playing. Uh, I forgot. Song that, that was when we played at Nam at uh, at the Grove, I think, right? Yeah, and, I feel, I feel yeah. like I remember him coming out. Yeah, because you know, I remember because remember Marty Friedman was our opener because Jackson That's Guitar right. sponsored it. Marty was the opener, and Marty and I hadn't jammed together in twenty years. And the irony that we would get together on stage again and jam a Metallica song <laughs> of all things, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. It wouldn't seek and destroy like our big encore or something. So. And that, I remember looking over and seeing that very view, like uh, Ray was just looking up at you, Mark, like a like a proud father. You know, it was, yeah, so that cool. was definitely one of my top highlights. And um, I remember when he was just sitting literally on the fucking stage, mm-hmm. not even side stage, on the goddamn stage. Yeah. Crowd saw him, and it was just like, I'm like, don't fuck up, don't fuck it up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, so I remember, I, there's a few great moments like that. So. Ellison and Friedman together on stage mm-hmm. for the first time in ages. Dude, the Wemmy um, tribute. Hmm? 
Lemmy tribute. Yeah, Lemmy tribute. But also the these reunions. So you had Lombardo and Holt yeah. playing Slayer. Yeah. Um we had uh John Bush and Benanti. I mean, to me, that's a huge you know what was, you know what was Alex, like a, I was thinking that this that was huge, wasn't it? Because those that guys was, had never that's like an been Oprah together. moment. Yeah. Those guys, yeah. you know. Had not, and our, our agent is actually Anthrax's manager, so they were all there. I think Bella was there too, right? It was the first time that Bush had been back in the room with the Anthrax organization. Yeah, like and it people was. would remember that. The people would keep them apart if they were ever at the same place. Also, <laughs> yeah. that same day in San Francisco, I'm telling you, that 24 hour span. Yeah, yeah it was it, all in it, that same 24. The hour shit that happened in that 24 hour window is literally out of control. Yeah. We heal wounds in heavy metal. That's what we do. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> so one thing, this is probably the last question. I think we, we've been going for a while, but it's like, I love it. I just throw the ball out to you guys and you just kick it around. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> kick it back and That's forth. But do. you've been doing this for 10 years. Does Do you think this will continue for another 10 years to come? And, and, and if so, uh, is there an eye in terms of like bringing in people like myself and kind of the younger generation and kind of expanding what the metal allegiance kind of means for like the next well that, these, well, these that, that, was, goal, man. that, yeah. that was my goal when when, when yeah. i brought you you know i know i made a jersey joke before which jersey jokes are plentiful okay in, <laughs> in all seriousness i i wanted to do you know i went into this thinking we got to do something different you know i you know again and i don't want to sound like an asshole but coming off the summer that I had and doing everything I was doing, yeah, you know, I, I was set to a whole new level of challenges. And uh, even with the song list, you look, I look at the song list that I'm putting together. It's like, what's going to challenge us? What's going to, what's, what's going to bring us to a next level. Hence inviting you, you know, I wanted, I just thought it would be a cool, you know, again, another East coaster uh, on this thing. Um, kind of in the same age group, um, no offense to uh, the old men on this call, but uh, <laughs> back but, in know, my day, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> to me, get off my lawn. <laughs> I, I have a, a vision for this for the future, and just to you know, obviously it includes the four of us, of course. But what else can we do that's different? You know, do I want to do another record? Of course, I would love to do, write more music with these guys and and open it up and, and play more gigs. But it also comes down to reality of. You know, we're in a, a different landscape. You know, how important is releasing records or EPs or songs? Um, you know, what's the label status like? You know, what you know, what is reality versus you know, a fucking fairy tale? You know, um, we don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. You know, I, I'm not going into this gig thinking we're going to do like the first go around. We're going to do this. This. Yeah. It, it, I'm in a yeah. hold another just one day at a time. Let's yeah. see what happens. I'll just Let's... have a quick answer, which is just, yeah, you know, when it happened the first time 10 years ago, as we were just talking mm -hmm. about, it was really like a span of 48 to 72 hours, you know, from the time we, we just threw together the jam on the boat to started planning the record to the record actually happening. So it wasn't planned. So, um, no, nothing is planned, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't yeah, mean no, it doesn't. things aren't going to happen. And then as far as newer generation players, yeah, we're all into that. I mean, right before 
go the years of COVID and everything went south. We did a show. We had uh, Dave Davidson from Revocation. Yeah. Um, I know we were already throwing around other names we could get. Uh, our may he rest in peace, Trevor. You know, he kind of represented somebody that came after us. Um, and so, yeah, we, I think we were already kind of heading in that direction, bringing new folks <clears> into it and get your doc getting you there is going to be great. And uh, it's kind of funny. The last time I saw you was at the same venue right? <laughs> just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And you were amazing, by the way. You guys were oh, absolutely that was, mind blowing. I was blown away. That was that was a fun show. And uh, yeah, that's and I, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to be on this stage again really, really soon. So it'll be good to have you born. Definitely. Thank you. I hope I hope I don't let you guys down. <laughs> no, nah, you dude. It's, it's, the, the, the MA gigs are fun. They, they, they you yeah. know, don't let the, the, the general scare the shit out of you as far as him. <laughs> well, me and uh-huh. Dave have jammed before. We have. No, we have. It, it's funny. When I worked at PV, that was when I knew, you know, it's funny. I was, Saying I was at the event sevenfold show the other day. And you know, it's funny, I hadn't really been playing bass very much. I've been taking a few couple months off, just I've been sitting there playing piano more than anything in my house. And I, I had a good nerd conversation with uh Brian, Sinister Gates, and we were just nerd nerding out because he's a muso, he's a GIT guy. Oh, and so, you know, and he's a real musician. His dad was a professional. So it's funny just hanging out with those guys, again, a younger generation. Totally got me inspired to come home and open up this Metal Legion set list and start playing. And, and you know, so it's funny. I was inspired, you know, by Avenged Sevenfold to like, yeah, I should probably pick my bass up again and be a metal guy again. And, uh, you know, and I was, th- I was saying, that, um, in fact, your singer was out at the show, right? Um, and uh, from, from God Forbid, I should say. And so we were talking about how God Forbid... Shadows Fall, Lamb of God, Avenge Sevenfold. There's this whole movement that came out. Um, and you know, and and you guys basically reinvigorated thrash metal coming out of the nineties, which as Alex and I will attest, was a very challenging decade for thrash metal. I mean, after kind of the early days that we got to have with Judas Priest on Painkiller and you know. Uh, some of our Rust in Peace and Souls of Black and, you know, some of those records, you know, the remainder of the 90s was quite challenging. And you guys, Doc, your your generation reinvigorated it, really put, you know, life back into it through the lens and the ears and, you know, the notes of a, of your of your generation, you know, inspired by, you know, by what me and Alex and, and our crew did. So this stuff Absolutely. all gets kind of handed back down, you know? Sure. So, um, you know, that's why, you know, it's, I look, I was just with Dieth. I was just, I was the opening act. I was one of three on Testament Voivod and Dieth in Germany. Oh, that's Thank you, right. Alex, yeah. for giving us the stage to play 30 minutes or whatever right, we did. Right. And, you know, that's how it is. You know, one time, you know, Alex is playing before me when I'm in Megadeth. And next thing you know, I'm playing before him and Chuck and my new band. You know, that's how this deal works, right? And Doc, you've done it, right? I mean, I think last time we we did a big show together was Bad Wolves, Megadeth, yeah. Five Finger Death Punch in Europe, you know? So that's how this community is, man. We all play around and with each other and we're all in different things. And we're, look, we're, we're career artists and musicians and recording artists and creators and you know, so it's, uh, you know, who knew that, you know, all these years later, we'd be sitting on a podcast with you. 
and you're driving yeah. the bus. <laughs> you know, we're your guests. Yeah, you know? it'll be so cool. it'll be fun. We haven't played yeah. together, but we've we've hung together. In yeah, fact, uh, a lot. Quite a bit. And in fact, I, I remember hanging with you and right when Testament sort of reunited in the way back in the 2000s. Well, we played, we did some shows. We did, uh, I think we played at the, what was it? Peabody's? No, well, we, we did Peabody's? We do Star- no, we did Peabody's in Cleveland because we were, it was us and Death oh, Angel were on tour together. Yes. And we That's jumped right. on that show, maybe one That's other. Right. And then we played with you guys at Croc Rock in Allentown. That's right. That's uh, right. with it was all it was weird it was us mushroom head and testament weird i remember weird that show up. yeah i remember it well. is you that know. venue still there no no it's, it's not done. gone i remember that place wow what a fucking what a venue it was fun man i we god forbid uh used to rehearse in bethlehem pa so like 10 minutes 15 minutes down the road so we we spent a lot of time there i was like our home away from home and so it's a you know it was poor little poor little uh of our 40 out for for crock rock but uh but listen uh i think this is a great place to wrap it up um i really appreciate all of you taking your time to to be on the on on the show and talk about metal allegiance and just having me aboard this is you know this is obviously a kind of a flagship event i think for you know all the people that travel to um you know california for for nam and just you know it's a it's a celebration of our community and anything like that is like i just i just feel honored to be to be around it, be a part of it, and you know, use this show as a platform to just talk about it and celebrate it. And you guys telling all your stories, it's it's really really awesome. So thank thank the, each of you. If there's anything you want to mention about the show or people should know, if you guys want to drop that right now, when is it? It's uh... the 25th of January. <laughs> when, when is the gig? <laughs> yeah, people when should know. That's it? gonna be good yeah. to know. Like I said, fucking uh, getting old, man. Getting old. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking memories starting to get shot. No, I'm saying we got to announce it. We got to say yeah, we yeah. haven't said we haven't yeah. once said when the gig yeah. is. January 25th, 2024. House of Anaheim, Blues. Anaheim. Yep, which is the first night of Nam. And Mark, there's actually a ticket link, right? That there's there's a ticket link. Some there's some VIPs. Obviously, we do a pretty big uh vip we're uh photos bring all your shit to be signed i mean it's we we take our time you know we make sure everybody the vips feels... are really fun too we, they're very cool time. yeah good... yeah <laughs> yeah it's not a drive-by it's a it's yeah. a real vip you know nice. yeah that's what so, it's real okay bye no it's, we, we <laughs> hang right. we have a great time everybody yep. has a great time at the vips Bobby yep. Blitz at these VIPs is fucking pure comedy gold. Yeah. Steals the show. It is, it's, gold. it's the Blitz show. As well as should be. As well as should be. Shout yeah. out to, to Bobby Blitz. Well, thank you, fellas. Have a great, great day. And everyone awesome. listening, uh, buy tickets to the show. I'm sure it's going to sell out. So get them, get them soon. And uh, we're going to be rocking. Thanks, Bobby. Cool. Guys, have a, awesome. You got one more thing, yeah. Mark? Oh. One more thing. Tickets are only 25 bucks. Oh, I mean, wow. they're cheap. Ooh. Inflation yeah. ain't that bad, huh? It sold out last time or the last time or two, right? So yeah, that's a low dough metal show, old school. We, we you, know? you know, that's one of my things is you know, of course they want to charge a fucking arm and a leg. It's like, nah, man, this shit's got to be as cheap as possible, you yeah, know, for the people. And I think yeah. it's like thirty five dollars worth of fees, you know, yeah. forty bucks total tops. Which, you know, again, keeping yeah. you know the dude or, or the lady in the crowd in mind, it's you know, trying to make this affordable. So, you know, hope to see you all there. And Doc, I am looking forward to jamming with you. It's going to be fun, man. 
Yeah, send me my. Good I don't push. even know what I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on that. <laughs> we're well, still working on it. Well, I got Get a few months. I got a few months to learn, so <laughs> it'll be fine. All right, fellas, thank you so much. Right. Have a great right. day. Good and to we'll see talk everybody. to you soon. Cheers. See you guys yeah. soon. All right. Bye. Killer.
So that was Bound by Silence from Metal Legions from their 2018 album Power Drunk Majesty Volume 2 featuring the legendary John Bush, one of my favorites, personal favorites, and X-Men alumni. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Mark, Alex, and Dave. And uh, I listen, you know, I listened to some bits. I'm like, you know, what? I don't sound that messed up. <laughs> Maybe I didn't need to say anything. <laughs> I still, I, you know, I, I feel remiss. You know, sometimes I don't feel like my performance is what it needs to be. But thankfully, I have these wonderful gentlemen. Huge thanks to them for for, for being on the show and providing all these amazing stories. And I just, you know, I feel like a little kid. I get to just be there, hear the, the little insights to, you know, what these guys are doing. And it's just amazing to be a part of it. So I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, I did as well. You know, but next time you got to gotta plan these podcasts when, you, when you're not hungover. But maybe, you know, I'll be taking a break from drinking. So that won't be happening in the new year. You know, just locked in. All right. Locked in coil. All right. That's what's going to be happening. But, uh. Yeah, what we got going on? New Year's, is that still a thing? I feel like that used to be a thing. Now, it's maybe it's a thing for somebody, but not quite in the, the Christmas spirit like I want to be. You know, I try, like I put on a Christmas movie, and I just, you know, I'm waiting for it to enter my, my chest. It just doesn't hit the right way. And, uh, you know, I just I just feel bad about that. I want to I wanna be more be more connected. Uh, but I'm going to try, all right, next few days. You know, got some eggnog, got that going for me. Um I got Christmas Vacation and Scrooged on 4K. Watch Christmas Vacation. I don't like the 4K transfer. Everyone's face looks red. But I say on the Blu-ray, their, their faces look red as well. So maybe it's just like the original master. But you figure when they remaster, they clean up some of the coloring. And that didn't really happen. But it still looks good. And the movie's still an absolute classic. All right. Uh, what else do I, I got going? I was watching Trading Places. Also a Christmas movie. People don't really realize that. It is that 4K transfer looks amazing. Sorry, I'm getting into nerdy DVD talk, but uh, that's what you. It's like the only thing I really collect now. You know, I've bought all the shoes. I have enough, you know, rucking fotten T-shirts for the most part. So now it's just 4K Blu-rays, but I'm just running out of space for them. But I like to, you know, capture the films in their their best light. So yeah, so. I have a few, what do I have? I have two Christmas parties, a birthday party this week, and then I think I'm going to back to Jersey after Christmas, so to visit some family. But I'm going to try and relax in the middle of that somewhere. But I also want to like get back in shape, so it's like I want to relax, but also work out, you know, eat some cake, some pie, and do some sit-ups, you know, just kind of filtering between those two two worlds. And, uh, you know, hang with my lady and our animals. So, and we're, you know, we're planning things. We're doing things. I think 2024 is going to be great. But I also feel like the like the odd years are like the harder years or like weirder stuff happens. I don't know. I feel, or, or, or no, I'm sorry, the even years, you know, like COVID happened 2020, you know. And then 2021 was like, it was better. But I guess 2021 still kind of sucked, you know. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't really think too deeply into it. But yeah, it's just this election year, man. Yeah, 2024 is going to be fucked up. You know, there might be like, think about we got all these wars, okay? We got an election, and that's still, there's probably going to, you know, all the, the, the right wing people, conspiracy people, they're like, civil war, you know, 
So that's coming. I don't think anything that's going to happen. But I do think some crazy... I think whatever the craziest version of things is going to happen. Meaning, like, Trump's going to go to jail. And then... But then maybe he wins. So then the people are in the streets and they're, like, rebelling. And then Biden's going to die, you know, of being old. And then Kamala's going to come in. And then, you know, just we, whatever the weirdest... That's what I learned from from 2016. Was whatever the weirdest version of things, the most unpredictable thing, that's probably what's going to happen. The most boring thing never happens, right? Even the last time it was like, oh, Biden won, but then they did January 6th. And, you know, the crazy, you know, you know, it's rigged. They rigged the election. You know, like it still was crazy. It was still like the wildest shit, you know? So I think it's just going to get more wild. And how do you deal with that? mentally i think part of it you just gotta damn i just hit my mic jesus part of it you just gotta turn 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 things off you know you know i think that's the problem you know it's like pandora's box everyone needs to know everything but you can't really know anything because you know like you look on twitter for example it's like there is more fake shit <laughs> on twitter than any time like there's so much fake shit on Twitter now that like it's made me like not really interested in UFOs as much. Like by like 90%. I'm just like, because everything, everything I see, I'm like, well, that's just fake. It's Twitter. Like I, I remember in like 2016, I wrote this article or right around that time about, you know, kind of like the end of truth, you know, like, like, and that was like the biggest fear, you know, that's, that's what people don't realize was like all this like Twitter files and stuff is like, Oh, it's their censorship and the government and all this stuff. Yeah, but what preceded that was this flood of disinformation and misinformation. So it was like these entities trying to fight that. And now, like, the battle has basically been lost. And there is no real truth. It's gone. It's over. Like, I was like, that was like, in the future, we're not going to know what's real. And now we're here. And no one really, everyone has their own just set of facts. And it's just, that's, that's the... They just live in that world. We we live in a different over here. There's like climate change over here. No climate change over here. There's one thing that over there just doesn't exist. Um, and I'm not even here to tell you what's real or what's not, because I feel like even saying that you piss people off, you know, but something's got to be real, right? There's got to be a some objective version of something somewhere. And so, uh, yeah, it's made me kind of tap out. I'm a big uh, George Carlin guy. You know, George Carlin's got older. He got more and more disillusioned. He got more cynical. He got angrier. The last George Carlin special is the angriest special he did. Um, and it always kind of bummed me out a little bit. You know, I got I was I was a little upset with George. I'm like, man, George, you gave up. But I get it, you know, because he was such a fighter for all these things, and he's trying to write the ship and they realize that even if you're you know he's one of the most influential entertainers and comedians and philosophers and thinkers of his generation but he couldn't fix it all you know he could i mean i think he inspired entire generations of atheists and you know independent thinkers critical thinkers i would say uh purposely didn't say free thinkers because i think that's just uh you know it's like improvisational jazz, all right? You can get a little weird, okay? Critical. Um, I think it influenced a lot of people, but none of us can save the world. Um, 
And that's what I kind of, I think that's, that's like the acceptance is like, how can you realize you can't save the world, but you got to figure out your own little space there. You do your best, but you got to find a way to not become cynical in there. You know, it's hard because I think I am becoming more cynical, unfortunately. So I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but it all starts with ourselves, you know, try and take care of ourselves, put out a good impact, affect who we can, how we can in the healthiest way possible with a good attitude. And that's it. That's all we can do. So I'll we'll do my best to remain hopeful and hopefully share those uh those themes on the show to my best to the best of my ability. All right. Well, I love all you guys. Thanks to everyone for for checking out the show. Um supporting, you know, every time I go out and I play shows, why my phone's buzzing. Every time I go out and do things, you know, go to shows, I get a bunch of people that are fans of the show and it it always means a lot to me. So Thank you all for listening this year. Have a, a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, what are the other ones? Uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all that stuff. Festivus for the rest of us. Happy New Year. And um, yeah, just enjoy your loved ones and, uh, you know, watch some Christmas movies. All right. It's the, it's the greatest. Okay. Mama's out. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.